been trying to do for a while now you're like one of the first people i like i had reached out to about like interviewing or talking to um and it took us quite a while to get here yeah <clears throat> yeah we had some conflicting uh tour schedules and yeah. crap like that and we live about six minutes apart or so <laughs> <laughs> it was like a 20 minute bus ride okay. i didn't even realize i was like oh i got i'm gonna take the bus and uh a little hungover and i was like oh you know kind of like uh, but then I like looked at the schedule and looked at it and was like, oh, it's like 20 minutes. <clears throat> yeah, I bet you Uber would take about eight. Yeah. Because we went, when we went to the Renaissance Fair with Vin and everybody. Oh, okay, yeah. We drove, I think that's right near where you live where we met. Yeah. I think it took us eight or nine minutes to get there. Right on. Ladies and gentlemen, I got Mike Flumley with me. Uh, drummer extraordinaire, um, rock room, main man. And uh, and yeah, all around pretty good guy and decent bowler. I'm a lefty bowler now. Yeah. <laughs> so, How, yeah. What happened? Because like, you you just like switched up lefty, right? Yeah, I broke my I broke a finger. That's right. Yeah. I broke my ring like the tip of my ring finger on my right hand. Oh. So I went and got a ball because if you know bowling, you have to drill the ball differently for right or left handed. Yeah. So I went and got a ball drilled lefty and started. And just started going out that way. Yeah, and it's it's working. Yeah. I think I hit like a 140 something in our last one of our last bowling, bowling uh, escapades. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, that was really cool. Uh, Chris doing the like punk rock bowling yeah thing out there in uh, Cudahy. Cudahy, yeah, that was really cool. I like that we just kind of like took over the bowling alley and put played punk rock music all night and yeah and bowl. I hope we do it again this year. Yeah. Although Chris lives out in fancy uh, Elm Grove now, oh. whatever that is. <laughs> fancy town. So, uh, the big thing, I guess, you know what I mean? Um, right now we're in the rock room, and you were doing this up in, or down in Chicago, right? Yeah. And now you moved <clears throat> up here to Milwaukee now. And, uh, and yeah, you got it set up. Yep. It, yeah, it's set up. I've just been kind of lazy with it the last <laughs> very easy to do six months or so <clears throat> so i used to have a partner that did like all of the editing which was a big job and then he he kind of got burnt out on it so the last eight or ten months we were real active like i was doing all the shooting and the editing and the mixing the audio and all the social media and it just got to be kind of a lot yeah so maybe i'll get fired back up again here soon but i started touring more with the popes we had a lot of tours the last like year and a half and like being on the road and i got a new job mm. which you know working for the man <laughs> <clears throat> and what i do at work is very similar to what i would have to do for like the social stuff for the rock room because mm -hmm. i do um, like SEO content for websites. Yeah. So I do a lot of, I'm like editing and writing and publishing different like blog pages and stuff to websites. So I'm sitting in front of a computer 
for eight hours a day doing stuff that's similar. Right. <clears throat> and then you finish that at the end of the day, and it's like, man, do I want to sit in front of the computer for three more hours doing something I like, but it's very much like what I just finished doing. Yeah. And that shit, like, fries your brain. Oh, hell yeah. 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 <clears throat> no, I get it, man. The, the editorial stuff of it is, is the pain in the ass. Yes. Getting bands that come down here and play, like, no. Yeah, that's the fun part, but that yeah. part only lasts, like, 40 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, setting up the mics and, like, recording the band and even shooting the video. I, I love doing all that. I'd love to be able to, like, shoot all the video and, and do all the audio and, like, give it to somebody else and say, edit this and publish it all. Edit this. Because <laughs> it's just not even just editing, but then posting it all, like, scheduling it out and posting it. It's yeah. just, like... Doesn't seem like a lot, but it takes a long time. No, it does. It yeah. is. No, it is. Yeah. So you guys were playing quite a bit, right, with the Popes? Yeah, we did a bunch of tours. Um, How was that? Went out to the West Coast twice, to the East Coast twice, yeah. the Southeast. It's been really fun. Although getting older, <clears throat> I've discovered that I've got some like physical issues <laughs> that I never knew existed. Yeah. When having to try to play drums like on consecutive days. Like the last couple of tours, <clears throat> I would start uh, losing the feeling like in my right foot, mm. in my right hand, like halfway through the set. And then each night it would start happening sooner and sooner in the set. So by the sixth song, like my right hand, which is my snare drum hand because I'm open, like I can't feel my right hand yeah. for like three quarters of the set. Yep. I know exactly what I know exactly what you're talking about. Uh, you gotta stretch your wrist. Like I, I do it. I, I will miss the entire uh, band that's playing right before us, before Avenues. Just and all I'm doing is stretching my hands out, my wrist out. That's yeah. all I'm doing. And it's, and it's honestly the like it has made such a difference now when I play. Because if I play the set, I will go through the set without having any issues. Yeah. But and I'm not even like doing any you know sticking or rudimentary stuff all i'm doing is just like stretching that's it yeah you know like whenever you get the, the sticks and just you know wave them yep or whatever the, but <clears throat> the butterfly stretch that's what i call it i'm pretty sure that's not what it is <laughs> it just looks like a butterfly when you're doing it really yeah. fast uh yeah i'll just do that and and then yeah by the time like we start we start playing it's like okay cool like, my wrist won't but i know exactly that dead hand feeling yeah it's awful it's like, yeah, it's like your hand fell asleep. It's like pins, yeah. and, pins and needles, and I yeah. get it in my hand and my foot both. Oh, wow. I haven't, yeah. I haven't gotten, it's not on my feet yet. Oh, God. But that's a, that's the cost of getting old. And then on my left hand, I guess, I think I might have, like, arthritis in a couple of the knuckles. Oh. Because, like, my middle finger and my ring finger, about four days into any tour, I can't clench them all the way. Mm -hmm. They won't close up all the way. They only get, like, halfway ah. and just stick there. Yeah. So it's just probably a repetitive motion kind of deal from doing it thousands yeah. of times. And I, I don't regularly play when we're not on tour, which I'm sure contributes to that. Yeah. So I'm not all of like the finer muscles that would like help support that stuff mm -hmm. are probably not what they used to be. And when you're in your 20s, you can do that shit. You can like <laughs> you cannot play for six months and then go play a show and you're fine yeah but what i'm finding <clears throat> being now i'm 44 about to be 45 
your muscles deteriorate much more quickly <laughs> now when you don't do anything. Just stretch, man. Just stretch. That's that's like the best advice I can give is just stretch. I found like I started eating bananas before we play, and that helps a yeah? little bit with the cramping. Hmm. Oh yeah. Like if you get the deal where you ever get the deal where you can't like close your fist around your snare stick because it's all cramped up, like your thumbs cramped and the sticks flopping around. Yeah. Yeah, the bananas will help with that. Bananas. Yeah. I gotta do that more often then. More bananas. You know, I try to eat so much healthier, but like <clears throat> I I do eat fruit like all, a lot, but when on the road for some reason like that's like the last thing I'm eating is some fruit. Yeah. On the road I eat a lot of Snickers. <laughs> <laughs> and you switched to Coke Zero now too, huh? Yeah, I'm drinking a Coke Zero. Is Coke Zero eating bananas? Who are you? I don't even know don't, you anymore. I don't man. know me anymore either. <laughs> I haven't had a candy bar in like three weeks. Oh, I don't know what's going on. That's why you're fidgeting. You're jonesing. <laughs> <clears throat> so, um, all right. So, Pope's is going well. You guys uh, got any more stuff coming up? Uh, we're playing in Joliet in November. Mm -hmm. It's like a little fest to donate. Uh, what is it? It's a fundraiser for like uh, <clears throat> some diabetes organization. All right. And that's a good one. That's got like us and the Lillingtons, and I'm gonna forget to name other people, so I'm just gonna name the Lillingtons. There's other <laughs> bands. I think 88 Fingers Louie is on it too. Oh, okay, cool. And then we're playing up here in Milwaukee in December. Oh, okay. What do you guys? What's that one? Uh, I think we don't have a support band yet, but it'll be at Collectivo. Oh. We've been doing that every December for like the last three years. Oh, okay. Like a little holiday show, Why and not? that's. <clears throat> That's cool. It'll be a hometown show for me now that I live here. Yeah. That'd be nice to go home like right after a yeah. set, right? And I think those those are like the last two shows we have this year. And I think next year we're going to... Seems like we're going to take it easy next year mm -hmm. and not do much. Um, we do... We usually do like the two rock room shows in at the Bottom Lounge in May. Yeah. And that'll probably happen again, but we probably won't tour... But then 2021, it would be the 30-year anniversary, so we might do some stuff. Oh, okay, yeah. For that. Yeah, got to hit that one. Seems like you should do something, right? Yeah. <clears throat> so then, um, so Pope's, man, that's pretty cool. Need a collective, huh? Need some supporting acts? <clears throat> yeah, we had Avenues support the... One of the first ones we did, I think the first Collectivo show we had okay. Avenues on there, <clears throat> but you weren't drumming. It no. was uh, Lyle. Oh, okay, yeah. Yeah, that's when Lyle did like all the local stuff because you were probably in Texas. Yeah, yeah. Those were, uh, the, the Avenues has gone through a lot of drummers. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> that they have. But it's good. I'm here now, so don't have to worry about that anymore. Yeah, you're great. Lyle's great. Like... I didn't know their first drummer well, or he probably wasn't even their first drummer, but the first drummer I met was oh, them. Okay, yeah. I can't even remember. He was like kind of a skinny guy. Oh, uh, oh God. Now I feel bad for not remembering his name. Joel? Could be. They have like kind of blonde hair, yeah. reddish hair. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's his name. Ah, oh, damn. I feel like. Yeah. He was good. He had the, he had the, like the fast eighth notes on the hi hat yeah. down. Yeah. He could do that. Yeah. I'm getting there. <clears throat> It's hard. It's coming. Oh yeah, it's no, it hard. is. That's that's one of those things that you you constantly have to like keep working at to like get it. See, mm -hmm. I, I uh, 
I used to be able to do that so easily back in the day. I mean, when I was younger, and then yeah, like you don't do it after a while, kind of lose it. Yeah. And then through all the medical stuff, like just lost all the abilities. So, yeah. Yeah, I, I filled in one show for for those yeah. guys like a year or two ago, and I would just usually like I do those for like a minute. And then I would like go up to the crash symbol and just yeah. cheat it down. Yeah. Because if you're just like wailing on the crash, it doesn't matter. You oh, can't yeah, hear it. you can't hear it. There's no, there's so no I definition just, like, in that. Crash out the choruses. Yeah. I think you do that sometimes. Too. I do. Yeah. Hell yeah. Because that's like you're you're like, whew, it's like your breather. Like, yeah. All right, I'm going to crash out up, up here. Mm -hmm. Take take it easy on the yeah. notes. Yep. <clears throat> that's exactly what it is. So uh, a, a big thing. Um, you did a record with Alkaline Trio. I did. Yeah, from here to Infirmary. Mm-hmm. Pretty, pretty good record. Thank you. Yeah. Um, how did that happen? Like, how did you get into the into that? <coughs> um, well, when Alkaline Trio were like starting out, I mean, Matt and Dan have both been in different bands, like in the scene that we were from. Uh, they're a little bit. They're a little bit younger than me, so like Dan was in a band called Slapstick, which was like a ska band, ska punk, and they got pretty big, but they had played some shows with the Popes. I think we played once or twice together, like early 90s. Okay. And then some of Matt's various bands opened for us, and then the trio, uh, I think, opened for the Popes two different times, once in DeKalb, Illinois, and probably like 97... And then at the Double Door in Chicago in like '98. Oh. So I I knew them just from kind of playing around together. Right. And then I just got a call out of the blue. It was like right when they had uh, maybe I'll catch fire was coming out. Mm. And they just I got a just a phone call and it was like Matt and Dan. They're like, hey, we need a drummer. Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, <clears throat> they had some kind of issues with their old drummer who was like actually a good friend of mine growing up mm. we lived a couple miles apart went to like junior high and high school together okay also played open-handed oh. their, their first guy glenn yeah glenn yeah he was a very unique and creative drummer like no i, I still haven't seen like anybody with quite the same style that glenn had okay if you listen to those songs it's like kind of a, like a drum fill like throughout the whole song <laughs> but song. it's it maintains a groove like he's that good at it <clears throat> um so i joined them like right when maybe i'll catch fire came out and i did that whole tour for that record so we are you on the live album also i'm not on the live album ah yeah i don't know who with that i don't know what live album it is i know they had like the past live ones which are newer with derek oh uh i don't know um, I think I saw the release. It, I think it said 2001. Also, hmm. I mean, I, I was in the band in 2001, yeah. but must have been out by the time okay. that happened. All right, because that was when I was kicked out, like sometime in 2001. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and realize you were kicked out. Yeah, I was kicked out uh, somewhere along the way. Like Skiba just decided that he didn't like me much. Oh, okay. And it's funny because I read a. What's the publication that does that thing where bands like rank their records? It's one of the bigger music media sites, and they mm -hmm. had Skiba did a thing where he was ranking the Alkaline Trio records, like 
best to worst. Oh, okay. Oh, God. And he had From Here to Infirmia, like, way down on the on the list, and he said it's because I played on it, and he and he didn't like me, oh, wow. basically. He's like, I don't know. So I'm, I'm paraphrasing, because I don't know, remember the exact quote. It was something like, I don't know, I just had a bad vibe recording this one. I think maybe it's because Mike was on it. Like, oh, like, oh thanks, man. bro. Rough. <laughs> He took a shot or two at their first drummer, Glenn, in that article too, because he had, he had, God damn it, their first record like way down, mm. and I think, in my opinion, like God damn it, and From Here to Infirmary are their best two records. They're pretty solid. I think everybody that I talk to usually ranks those two pretty high up on their board. Yeah, so. some of their newer fans seem they have God damn it low. I've seen, I'm in this random like. Alkaline Trio fans group on Facebook. Like somebody invited me there a few years back. Mm-hmm. So it's funny every once and then every once in a while I'll get like thirty random friend requests on <laughs> Facebook. I'm like, where are these coming from? <laughs> and I look in that group and like somebody tagged me in a in a it post. Is, yeah. It only pops up like once every few months. But but that's pretty funny. <clears throat> yeah. Uh record's good. And uh one of my favorite tunes on that one I think because because as a drummer you have like your favorite song but then you also have your favorite song like because of the drums right and I think that one was uh, with a lot of drugs or something or with a lot of alcohol take lots with alcohol take lots with alcohol there you go that's the one and people in the Facebook group always like tag me in that one like that intro and it's like it's not very hard to play no but it's cool it's very simple it's a cool groove though (laughs) and then you kind of like carry it through the through the song and I think I made I might have made that part up like in the studio or like a couple days before he went to the studio because they're like there should be a drum intro to that and I was like okay and then I like I just that's just just what came out wow I am I am definitely a. Here it is. This is the song. This is how it's gonna go in the studio. Not don't go off script too often. You know, <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I should do more of that. I guess. I mean, it really depends on the band. Yeah. I think I've seen some bands. I, I would say it's, it would be ill-advised for most bands mm. to try to make up shit yeah. in the studio. But if you've been playing with the same guys for a long time like even making that trio record it's not like I'd been playing with them for years and years but we were just fresh off of like a year and a half of touring Mm -hmm. and we were doing like over 200 shows per year so like we were finely tuned and like pretty tight unit I think me and especially me and Dan Andriano together were pretty tight rhythm section so we could mess around with stuff like on the spot and have it work for younger bands, I would say that would be a very ill-advised way to do it. Yeah. I mean, I've been with some bands in the, in the studio and where they try to do that, and then people end up getting like mad and frustrated. But Which is very easy for that to happen. We did it a lot with the most recent Pope's album, where we would have a song 75% of the way really? there. Like, we maybe jammed it like three times in practice. Oh, wow. And then we would just iron it out like in the studio and it was usually by like the third time through we would have it oh okay and that record was fun because we we did uh we tracked all the guitar bass and drums like live as a unit Mm -hmm. so it has a nice feel like 
we didn't like quantize shit like people are doing now. You know, like put the drums to the grid. Like everybody just played live together. Yeah. And then we overdubbed like the lead guitar. Did you play with the vocals? Click, a click track? I did do a click. Okay. I used to be anti-click, and I'm I'm not super opposed to it anymore. <clears throat> but okay. I'm, I'm glad you're opening up your your feelings towards that. In most cases, I am opposed to quantizing the the drum tracks. You know, where like I don't know if a lot of people know what that is, but most major records you hear now, the drummer will go in, he'll play to a click track, and then there's software called Beat Detective, <clears throat> and the engineer will put it in there and it will like chop up all the hits and put every hit directly on the grid where it should be so you sound like a robot. And I think about <clears throat> what if they had done that in like the 60s and 70s with some of the drummers that are known as like the greats like what if they had done that to John Bonham would he be talked about as like one of the great rock drummers ever if he was quantized because he wasn't on the grid at no all. not even close not even close <laughs> so, like he had his own fucking grid yeah <clears throat> and it was really good yeah the going through those machines and the setups and with with the way that it works now it's crazy you know what I mean but you're right though like how many old drummers out there go through that or could could you plug that through them and then have the same result you just wouldn't yeah you know what I, mean? <clears throat> I was actually i listening to uh on the way here uh some uh some fog hat yeah. slow ride and like hearing the drums on that i think i want to say it's off uh-huh it probably is it, and it probably is because <laughs> it's like uh, the drummer's like slow and he does this weird like giddy up thing uh-huh. and you can tell it's like really listening to it like it's not all on right like they're not hitting together yeah because he probably like made that up on the spot yeah or he was just he was like yeah. this is how the groove goes but no one really like was paying or maybe not paying attention <laughs> but no one was really like oh okay yeah we gotta like make sure it's dialed in yeah to every hit you know but, I mean that was back in the day too I mean that's really, you're on tape mm-hmm. editing is like completely different yeah we did some tape edit like the Pope's record Destination Failure we did on on tape well everything that was in the 90s that's what we had well, yeah that's what, yeah <clears throat> but that was the first record we did where where we actually did some edits mm-hmm. and i didn't even know that was a thing before we made that record because <laughs> there were a few songs where like i did a few takes on drums and then our producer um jerry finn rest in peace mm. he's like okay i'm gonna take the first minute and a half from take one i'm gonna take the middle section from take two i'm gonna take the end from Take three. Where was it recorded at? Uh, mostly at uh, CRC in Chicago. And then we did some at uh, a place called Conway in Los Angeles. Okay. It was a real fancy one. Most of the drums and bass were in Chicago, and then kind of Josh did. Josh and Eli did a lot of the guitars and vocals out in California. Okay. And then we did some of the drums. They were like, we finished the record. <clears throat> Gave it to the label, and they're like, "Yeah, there's not a single on here." Oh. So we had to like record like four more songs. <laughs> <laughs> That'll get you back in the studio. That was kind of discouraging, though. Like we thought the record was like awesome. Yeah. Like here you go, and they're like, "Yeah, no, there's not. There's not a single. There's not a hit on here." Yeah, you got to get back in there. <clears throat> you like you like recording? Do you like being in the studio? Yeah, I I like. Um, I, I think it's my most my favorite part about playing music is being in the studio. Mm. I mean, I like playing live, 
But on, on a certain level, I don't like playing live. I don't like being on the road. Like I hate, I hate traveling. Yeah. And these days, I just don't like what happens to me physically playing live when, because we play pretty long sets when we headline. It's like an oh, hour, like, hour and twenty minutes. Yeah. <clears throat> and it's not like our stuff is fast, but like I, I hit really hard. Mm-hmm. And I play big sticks. I, I play two B sticks. And oh. I'm, yeah, those are those are. Uh, I neat. should scale down, but like I feel like it's it's like a pride issue at this point. Like, oh. like I've always <laughs> played the biggest, heaviest sticks and drummers in their pride, man. <laughs> I mean, it would be much easier if I just switched to five Bs. It would be a lot easier on everything. Yeah, and most people play those, but but every like when we play shows now, like I get I get nervous before the show, and it's nothing to do about. <clears throat> like, do I know the songs or am, am I going to mess up the songs? But it's like, what kind of physical uh, misery am I going to experience After today? This. Yeah. Because it's different every time. Like, sometimes I just totally lose my breath because my cardio is not great. Right. And it's just, but you can't stop. Like, no. you get like through the middle of a song where you're like, you're just gassed. Yeah. You have nothing left. But you can't stop. Yeah, you got to keep going. Yeah. I I I get into that actually a whole lot. Whenever it's whenever you're playing and you're you're in the middle of a set and you're going through the song and it's like oh god you like you just you're tired you know what I mean you want to stop but that like I don't know that like movie sport movie moment where it's just like you got to dig deep uh, yeah come on and you really you do gotta make it. You know, you, you do, to. and I don't know. So for me, sometimes whenever I get when I get through that, it's like ah, oh, that feels so good. You know. Yeah, it is. It is satisfying to get through it, but I think it's just the grind, like being on tour, having to do that like every day. Yeah. Well, you, I mean, it's a. It's like you gotta. You have to love to be on the road to to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, when like we when I was starting out, and we would go on, you know, the first few tours you know what i mean when we'd come back we would be with like other bands or something like that we'd come back you'd weed out who wasn't going to do want to do this anymore yeah you know so you you will you will find out very quickly if like this is what you want to do or even if you like to do it you'll find out yeah it's challenging especially i don't know about you but for me like on a show like day i have to play a show later like i have to be real careful about like what i eat Mm mm-hmm and at what time I eat. Mm-hmm. So, like, I never know what to eat. The time. The time of when to eat. Is yeah, because yeah. if you eat too late, like, you're just screwed. Yeah. Like, you're going to feel like you're going to throw up the whole yeah. the whole time. You eat too early, then it's just like, it's like almost like you got nothing. Yeah, nothing. your energy's gone. Yeah. You eat too early. Eat too late, you're going to barf. Yeah. No, yeah. So the time, timing of the eating, yeah, for sure. Yeah. And then when you're driving 400 miles, like, you don't <laughs> always have... The ability no. to make that timing work out. No. Because <laughs> no, at the don't. hour you should be eating, oftentimes, like, there's nothing to eat. Or there's, like, a subway, and it's like, I'm not going to eat a subway. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I've been, uh, just because I've made such a conscious effort now to eat healthy on the road, you, uh, yeah, sometimes you unfortunately have to skip a meal or two. Um, but also that goes into like my whole dieting with like, uh, kind of like into fasting. Mm-hmm. So, and which I think is like helps you out in certain situations like that where 
you can learn to, to 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 go through the day without having to eat so much. So yep. if you're in a pinch, like being on the road, and it's like, oh man, you know, there's nothing to eat here. Well, I did eat a little earlier. I'll be fine for the rest of the day. So it's it kind of like works out that in that aspect. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's why I've taken to eating like the Snickers, because <laughs> like if you screwed up and like didn't eat, and then it's like too late to eat like a meal, you could eat a Snickers. Yeah, and like. That'll, that'll give you like just enough to get through like have a Snickers and a Gatorade yeah and you can get through and it's not so it's not enough food that you're gonna feel like you're gonna barf no so like the candy bar is like kind of my savior on yeah. on tour it's like just enough like sugar and carbs to like <laughs> get you through a set. yeah oh, it'll, def- <laughs> it'll definitely hold you over mm-hmm. yeah <clears throat> so what other projects are you trying to to do then because um, you were doing the the bigger empty yep um, you guys traveled you guys were doing stuff yeah we traveled a little bit We it was funny with that band we always had various lineups when mm-hmm. we traveled because not nobody like me and Amanda would travel and pretty much none of the other guys would yeah so if we would like go to Texas I'd have some friends in Texas that would play like bass and drums and guitar Mm -hmm. or we'd go to california and then i'd have some different people like pick up in california that's pretty cool though and you know a lot of those people i met from doing the rock room yeah because i've had all these bands in from all over the country i think we've had over 100 bands so it's like oh well i know these three people uh in texas and they can probably learn the songs and jump in yeah it is it's pretty impressive and it's always neat because you never we almost never rehearse with with the people mm. that are going to play with us so it's like i wonder how it's going to go yeah <laughs> and i'm i'm always surprised how well some of these people do we had uh a few different places we've had uh james from the penske file he's their bass player yeah he played bass with us, with us a number of times and he was always like flawless and i would send him like the song list like a week and a half before yeah the show and it's like he knew them all that's cool i guess my songs aren't that hard mostly four chords (laughs) (laughs) yeah do you find um as like a drummer right uh where would you learn first drums or guitar i learned drums first yeah and then so like as a drummer then when you start to like become a songwriter and actually Mm -hmm. writing songs do you find uh at times where you're like Okay, this like do you have like this beat or rhythm in your head or are you just kind of like I'm going to just go with whatever. If I'm writing songs, I usually have like a melody in my head mm-hmm. first. Yeah. Like usually like a vocal melody. A lot of times I'll have almost a whole song constructed in my head before I go to record it. Mm-hmm. Like I'll have I'll hear all the parts. I'll hear the vocals and the guitar and the bass and the drums what they're all doing together. It's like I'll swimming around and then the challenge is when I go to record it, like making it sound like what I hear in yeah. my head. Yeah. And sometimes that'll take a few tries. Like I'll think like, well, I need this drum sound and this guitar tone. And then I do it. And it's like, that's not what I'm hearing. Mm-hmm. So that's, I don't know if that makes you like insane. No. It, that you hear it all going on up there, but. Yeah. And I have, to, it kind of, it goes up and down with me. Like there'll be times where it's like, I have different songs in my head, like all day every day for like a few months and then it just like shuts off yeah and then it like yeah. kicks back on yeah it's very weird and i don't know what triggers your brain to go into that mode i think maybe I, from personal experience maybe it's like you just did something and now it's like you have 
from whatever it is. It could have been from like mowing the lawn or traveling here or whatever. All of a sudden, you like you're you have this like experience, and then your body's like, oh, we need to express like how it feels. So then all of a sudden, you birth like a litter of songs, yeah, and then you do them all or record them all, and then then you kind of just sit there with them, and you're like, well, what now? Yeah, you got nothing else coming out yet. <laughs> I know. Yeah. No, I, I totally get that. I I did a trip to New York um, and uh, put a show out there and hung out. And when I came back, I had like, I don't know, I did like eight songs, I think I want I want to say. And they were all New York themed uh-huh. tunes, you know? Yeah. I kind of wanted to like maybe do something with it, like, you know, call the, call the record like 53rd and, or give it like a street name or yeah. something, you know what I mean? Yep. And then, you know. It's just all about New York. The hardest part for me, I think, is like the lyrics. Lyrics are tough. Because yeah. I usually write those last. It's like the last thing to happen for my songs is the lyrics. Yeah. And then I, if I'm like writing a song, like I'll play the guitar and like just sing like gibberish. Yeah. To just the like melody. Phonetic sound. I, yeah. So then you, if you do that enough, like you have, yeah, the phonetic sounds is like the good way to put it. But those will be shaped in a certain way where it needs to be like a certain word. word. So a lot of times I have a couple friends that are good lyricists and a lot of times I'll finish a whole song and give them my vocal melody gibberish and be like, write lyrics because I have, or sometimes I'll have like nonsense lines that I sing, Mm -hmm. singing actual words that don't make any sense at all. Mm And then that's stuck in my head, and I can't, <laughs> I can't get that out. So I've got to, when that happens, I have a couple friends, and I'm like, could you just write lyrics to this? Yeah, because I can't. That's pretty. That's pretty <clears throat> funny on how uh, how similar our style is as far as that goes. Because I know exactly what you mean. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you start saying <laughs> I I yell out gibberish all the time, and then but then for me usually then I keep yelling out the gibberish, and then after a while they actually start turning into words, uh-huh. and then those are the lyrics. Yep. And then sometimes the song doesn't really make a whole lot of sense out yeah. there. <laughs> I, mean, I think that's a lot of just my styling and writing lyrics. Like it just kind of, kind of a little big picture, I guess you could say. It's not just like talking about the story yeah. line, kind of. And I think lyrics, at least for me, they either like, they come real quick, like immediately. Mm. I've had some songs where as soon as I start playing and, and singing the melody, then like, the lyrics would just come to me yeah. and I'll have the lyrics done in like five minutes. Right. And if it doesn't happen that way, then it takes me forever to get lyrics to that particular song. And I have dozens of songs that I've just scrapped because it's like, well, nothing's happened there. So I'm just yeah. try something else. Yeah. Uh, I'd, I've, if only like, I feel like when you, like your scrap bank is way bigger than any like <laughs> actual list of songs that you'll ever have. Yeah. Yeah, I wish I had a bank of songs. I I do. My brain writes a lot of songs in my head, like as I'm laying in bed about to go to sleep. <laughs> yeah, and like a lot of times, like this is a good one. Yeah, I'll remember it in the morning. You don't. You never do. You never do. Do you ever uh, dream about like playing a song and there's a song that's like you're singing and performing in, in your dream and you're like this is amazing you wake up and you try so hard to remember that uh-huh. song and you can't uh, that happens to me all the time yeah I get them all like it's like almost that kind of twilight where you're like you're awake yeah but you're not fully awake right and you're not but you're not asleep and like there's these melodies and songs that happen like 
Now, it's quite possible that those aren't any good. But in that state of mind, you're like, this is great. This is good, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it could be like, no, that song actually sucks. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. That's like the moment you wish you had like that dream recorder. Mm-hmm. Because some people have said, well, put a dictaphone by your bed. And it's like, but once I'm into that mode, like I'm not fully awake, so I'm not going to get up and like hit record on a thing. Yeah. Because you're no. not awake enough to like to no. do that. No. Because you're you're just asleep enough to tell yourself like I'll remember that. It's the uh, it's the table side like pen and paper. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if you ever watched Seinfeld, but there's an episode where Jerry's asleep and he wakes up laughing and he's just like, oh, it's great. And he writes this joke down and then in the morning he's like, what the hell is this? <laughs> I had this great joke. And I have no idea what I wrote down, but it was hilarious. And then he's like trying to give it to different people to read the list. And they're like, uh, like, they don't even know what it's, it's on there. And it's, yeah. It's the same thing. That's yeah. the same thing. Yeah. I think it's quite possible that like the songs that my brain writes in that state of mind, like aren't actually as good as I'm telling myself mm-hmm. because like, I'm not fully coherent. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, when did you start playing drums? I think I was about 13. Oh, okay, yeah. yeah. Which, I, I don't know what year that it was now, in the no. 80s. <laughs> <laughs> what, was the, what was the first kit? It was like just a Frankenstein kit. Got it for Christmas. Like, one of my friends or a friend of a friend had it, and they were selling it. And, like, I kind of bullied my mom into getting it for me for Christmas. Like, I want that kid or I don't want anything. Like, pulled that move. Oh, yeah. I don't, I don't know why I even wanted a drum. I had never touched a drum set. No. Like, when I got the kit, like, I had no clue how to play. I didn't know how to set it up. I didn't know anything about it. I just thought I wanted drums. Yeah. And then I got it, and I had no idea how to set it up. I didn't even know, like, what you're supposed to do with the kick drum versus the yeah. hi-hats. and nothing. I had it for a month or so. I was just dicking around on it until, like, a buddy of mine had a friend from Texas come up. I can't remember the guy's name. Uh, he came over and, like, he kind of knew how to play drums. And so he, like, set him up and he played, like, a, just a basic, like, rock beat. And I was mm-hmm. like, oh, okay, that's, I get that. Yeah. yeah, I know how that works yeah. now. So once I learned that beat, then it was like, I could hear in the songs I'm were listening you, to, like what's happening. Right. Were you already playing open style, or did were you have did you have a the cross? I was open. I, don't, I didn't know that that was weird. <laughs> like, because I had never. Keep in mind, this is like the 1980s, so I don't have. I didn't have MTV either. We didn't have cable. So I hadn't seen many people play drums. Right. Yeah. Not like it's. There's no YouTube videos yeah. to look at. Like, how do you do this? Yeah. Uh, you know, there's no internet. So I didn't, I just started playing that way. I didn't know it was a weird way a to weird play way to until play. people started telling me, like, dude, that's weird. <laughs> <laughs> I go, okay. Well, this is how I do it. I'm not switching now. Yeah. Well, yeah. It's worked out for you so mm-hmm. You know, it's worked out all right. I, I play guitar weird too. I play lefty, but I string righty. Oh, so yeah. So my high E's yeah. on, on top. Yeah. I know. I've seen, uh, a few people. Yeah, I think Chris from the Ataris plays that way. Yeah, yeah. But that was just because I, I play guitar left-handed, 
But I learned how to play guitar from like I didn't have a guitar, so we'd finish a pulse practice and I'd pick up Eli's guitar. Mm-hmm. It's right-handed, but I'm gonna play it left-handed, and he would show me chords. And I don't think it makes much difference, really. No. <laughs> like, that's actually funny. That's a, that's almost. I don't know, I'm finding how similar our stories are because that's exactly how it happened for me, also. Where I was playing drums, and then like guitars would break, and then like the guitar bass would sit around, and be like, "Well, I'll pick this up." Yeah, give it a shot. Yeah. You know, seeing like I remember seeing a. A buddy try to learn how to play bass or learn like what are you playing this 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 and uh-huh. I'm looking at him and I'm like it's just, it's just that yeah just do this <laughs> you know yeah I think I ended up I got a bass before I got a guitar like a bass was the first one I got because you don't have to learn chords you know it's yeah I think for from being a drummer bass comes pretty naturally it probably did for you because mm-hmm. the bass is like more about the rhythm than. I mean, of course, there's lots of guys with, like, great fucking technique with their fretting and their fingering, but you could be a competent punk bass player if you just have good rhythm. (laughs) I like that. You can be a competent punk bass player. You know, but if you don't have rhythm on bass, you're fucked. Like, I've recorded many, many terrible bass players, (laughs) and and they all, all the terrible ones started on guitar. I've never recorded a shitty bass player that started as a drummer. Because it's guys that were guitar players that don't have rhythm. Gotcha. And the bass has to have rhythm. Yeah. Guitar, you can get, you're distorted. You can do whatever the fuck you want. You, can, but. you hide it a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> so you're learning how to play drums. Um, what was like the music you're listening to to like get it going? Uh, at that time, like the Replacements were probably my favorite band. Yeah. Which was fortunate because. The, their drumming is it's good but it's very simple mm-hmm. so I would just like crank replacements albums and just drum to those uh, as I got better I was also into like the Descendants but I couldn't place their stuff like no. immediately yeah but as I as I got better like cause I probably I went from like the replacements and then I started playing along with like a bunch of Misfits stuff which is also very simple and like Ramon stuff but that's faster mhm and then once I started getting some chops or whatever, like I would play to uh, Descendants Liveage all the time. Yeah. I'm sure my parents love this because I wasn't doing it with headphones. I would take the stereo in my bedroom and turn it all the way up. Oh, you played. <laughs> and I would play to the stereo in the bedroom, like just play through the speakers, not on headphones. Right. Because we didn't have, I, I don't even think I had, I may have had a Walkman, but it's probably. I don't know why I did this, but like I just turned my fucking stereo on full blast yeah. and drummed to that. And like yeah. my parents must have just been <laughs> really super stoked. Like, oh, he's playing to the Descendants today, all day. <laughs> <laughs> I always, um, for, like, I find it sometimes you can find drummers and when you hear them, you can like p- pin out exactly who they were listening to and what got them into playing drums. Uh, like if you would say like that that's the record that like I got my my style from or maybe not even style but just your your beat right what would what would that record be like if you have to like listen to this and you're gonna see how like this is how I play or you can tell this is where I came from I think the record I've lifted the most stuff from is probably Frosting on the Beater by the Posies oh okay like if you listen to that record like I've stolen 
probably 80% of the <laughs> fills off of that record. Nice. I'd say in my earlier days, it was probably the Descendants Liveage, but my style kind of changed. Uh, it, like, if you listen to the Pope's records, you can tell, like, I, starting at, like, Born to Quit, I started doing, like, less, less and less drum fills. Mm. Some people still, I have some friends that are like, I wish you'd play that, how you played on Get Fired. And it's like, that's just wrong. <laughs> like, I can't listen to Get Fired. Like, it's just, that's not the right way to drum for a song. Right. It's fun to listen to the drumming. Mm-hmm. But the Popes are like a pop band. Like, those are pop songs. Yeah. And you don't want, like, I don't, like, I think Travis Barker is like, the biggest over player ever like I don't listen to like a pop rock song to hear some fucking awesome drumming like I just want to hear some solid drumming that makes the song good yeah and whereas I'm like get fired for the Popes I was just in all the seven inches everything prior to that's just like look at what I can do yeah I can go real fast yeah but I didn't also didn't know that like you're really supposed to keep the tempo the same and like (laughs) (laughs) you know play Play the same beat repeatedly. Yeah. Like, I was like 16, 17 years old. Well, at that time, yeah, all you want to do is just hit, hit hard. And, and if you know how to do stuff, you want to like... You want to do it. All right, I know this, Phil. I'm going to put this in every song. Like, You know what? I I had a, I guess, fortune or misfortune, however you want to say it, or however you want to hear it, but um, I had a, we was in a band, and, and I was playing drums, and I, th- I think I got kicked out or quit. Uh, and then they, the guy they replaced me with, I noticed he would play and he would do like fills like just everywhere. Uh huh. And so after seeing him, I was like, you know what? I don't like, I don't know if I was more maybe bitter toward the band, but I definitely knew that I was like, you know what? I don't want to like have fill like every 30 seconds. Uh huh. That's just not it. Right. You know? Cause it's like, all right, you can do it, but do you have to? Yeah. No, not really. And I, I'll do more fills live now than I do on the records. Yeah. Probably, I think most guys do Yeah. in rock, but still not the, near the amount that I did when I was like 18 years old. Gotcha. Because I think as you grow, you learn how to be a musician and you learn that like, well, my job is to like keep the shit together and to make the song better. Mm. And make the song more interesting, but make it like tight and solid. So you, you kind of learn as you through the years like you pick your spots for your fills like drum fills are great but you need to stick them in the right spot or it's like it's too much yeah well said like (laughs) I think uh, the one I like lifted the most off of was probably Rancid Let's Go okay that style of drumming it was like that was that started everything for me yeah yeah <laughs> I mean, you hear it's pretty apparent, like the guys these days that came up, like listening to Travis Barker. <laughs> You're like, oh yeah, it's a Barker guy. I'm not a fan of any of those guys. You, uh, you can tell instantly by like how they set up their drum set. Yeah, if everything's like flat, like super flat toms. Yeah. Everything is like all the cymbals are like on the yeah. same level, flat. Yeah, you can definitely tell. You can <clears throat> see them real quick. It's not a comfortable way to play either with like sitting like way high up. Yeah. With all your shit flat below you. I don't know. You want you want to see something really funny though. Actually watch the the 
watch Blink 182's like when he first started got in the band and the way he plays is it it just you you don't believe like how far that guy's actually gone though because when he, he was playing back in the day he's like it's just like flip flopping all over the place uh-huh. and like obviously he's doing way too much but the way he looks though is just weird yeah. now he definitely like has like a style to his playing yeah. now and it's very uh, looks cool you know what I mean he but, looks cool but I, man look at his early stuff though it's awkward We I did one of the last things I did in Alkaline Trio we did like a, a little tour with them and that was like kind of towards the early that was during the what was their big record Enema of the State oh, yeah. or whatever it was on that tour for them and he has changed a lot oh okay so you saw him first yeah. time then oh yeah and he's like, I mean, technically he's phenomenal, obviously. Like, mm. there aren't many people around that can do like all that shit that he does. Yeah. Like, he's really fast. He has all kinds of chops. Mm. It's great. I just think it's like inappropriate for <laughs> that style of music. But having said that, if he didn't do that, like, that band would suck. <laughs> they suck anyway, but like, those two dudes up front can't sing and they can't play. It, so you it, kind of need Travis there to like he's the one up. guy in the band that can fucking play an instrument right because the, the otherwise you got two guys that are like off key it doesn't matter if it's Tom or Matt neither one can sing worth a damn <laughs> live but like they both aren't very good on guitar and Mark's not very good on the bass no he's not like they're just sloppy it sounds like if they had a regular drummer it would sound like who are these 15-year-olds playing in my basement? <laughs> but they're like the biggest or second biggest punk band in the world. Yeah. Probably the second biggest punk band of all time, I think. Who's, who's, Green Day's probably bigger. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Green Day. Like, historically? Historically, yeah. Because Green Day was like the biggest band in the world twice. Yeah. With Dookie and then American Idiot. Yeah. And counter to Blink-182, like, they're fucking great. Like, at playing? Yes. Like, they're great. You may like or not like their songs, but no, as a trio... They can play. They are fucking great. Yeah. So that's kind of like... They're like the polar opposite of Blink, where it's like, wow, Billy Joe can sing like a motherfucker. And he can write. He can, he can write, write. really well, and amazing lyrics, too. Yeah. Um, that last record, they did the Revolution Radio, mm-hmm. or I think that's what it's called. Uh, has some man, some real powerful songs on there. As far as lyric, lyrically, lyrics go, it's yeah, some good stuff. They're still, they're still, yeah, they're, they're really fucking good. Yeah, and I mean, you can tell, and they've been that good forever. Yeah. Like as soon as Trey joined, like yeah, the first drummer was okay, but then Trey came in, and I was like, boom, there it is. And like, yeah, that Dookie record was a was huge for me drumming also yeah it's a good one yeah he's the energy he's the high energy yeah you know i mean i was like that's how i want to do it i want to do it like that just you know go yeah that would have like i was kind of i had already been playing a long time by the time that one came up but if i had been the right age that would have probably been the, my record yeah because i i really like his his drumming yeah and he hits hard and like they're yeah. just fuck tight yeah it's just like that's how punk rock ought to be played is yeah how they play it I, I know a lot of people don't like Green Day, but like I'm a fan. I, I'm a huge fan. I like them. I I got I got a American Idiot when it came out, and uh, I think a few of my friends were making fun of me at the time. But I was like, dude, listen to it. It's it's awesome. 
I think even like Blink-182 has some decent songs, like if Green Day played them. <laughs> like if Green Day were to play the best Blink-182 songs, they'd be pretty good tunes. Yeah, yeah. But it's just, and the Blink stuff is like pretty good in the studio. It's just that those dudes can't sing. No, live is... And maybe they can play guitar and bass okay, but like they're not trying hard enough live think, or something. I don't know what this is. You think uh, Travis Barker goes through the, throws through a grid? You think they edit all this stuff? I don't. I think he's kind of a human grid. I don't know if he'd need to. Yeah, you don't think so? I don't know. I mean, I don't. He's know. really good. I, maybe they do now. I bet they didn't. I know they didn't on like Enema of the State. That was like on tape. Maybe now they do. Who knows? Yeah. I don't think you need to with that guy. No. Because from a technical perspective, I'll say like, he's fucking great. Travis Barker is great. Yeah. Technically, and like, the few shows that we did with them. I've never seen a drummer that like works like he does. Like he's hitting like practice pads like all day, mm-hmm. all day long. Mm-hmm. That's all he does. Yeah, he's got sticks in his hands and he's tapping on everything. He had his own dressing room and you'd walk by. He had like a a full kit of practice pads set up, and he's just drumming for fucking hours. So it's like okay, he's a machine. Yeah. Well, <clears throat> I actually just got one of those practice uh, drum pads. Uh, at my place uh, yeah and I love it yeah I work on that thing quite quite often yeah it's good it's good you know plus like in an apartment can't be playing drums no probably even the practice pads annoy the people when you're hitting the kick if you got people below you yeah well luckily I live above a bar so (laughs) oh so and and I don't really share any walls with anybody so yeah it's easy alright I got one for you Uh, top three soda drinks well, it's just... <clears throat> is it just Coke? It's just one, just Coke. It's just Coke, that's, yeah. that's it. You, yeah. don't even, you don't even, like, veer off. No. No? <laughs> like, now I'm drinking Coke Zero, and I've been fiddling around with different diet drinks because they all taste gross. Yeah? Uh, when I was a kid, it was Mountain Dew. Yeah. But, like, that was, like, too much. <laughs> so I had to scale down. To, Mountain Dew is, like, the heroin of sodas. All right. And then, so I scaled down to the Coke, which is, like, less <laughs> caffeine and less sugar, <laughs> which is still an astronomical amount of sugar. But uh, Coke is, that's the best drink. All right. I argue with you. And I, if I wasn't getting fat, I would <laughs> still be drinking Coke. <laughs> yeah, you got to watch out with that, man. I think, Yeah. Dr. Pepper is my... Dr. Pepper? That's the one. It's a quality beverage. <laughs> it's a quality drink. <laughs> yeah. Give me... Oh, God. I think Dr. Pepper would be probably my number two. All right, cool. If we're ranking them. Yeah. Like, probably Coke, Dr. Pepper, and then three, I don't know. Mellow Yellow is pretty good sometimes. How about this? Okay. You're like you know, you're definitely not a sprite guy. No, fuck that. <laughs> There's no caffeine. <laughs> yeah, you're getting nothing out of it. But Seven Up is better than Sprite. Think so? If you want the, one of those style drinks, Seven Up is better. No way. Man. Yeah, it's more carbonated. It's more yeah. crisp. <laughs> Your soda palette is. <laughs> it's got is, a cool crisp is, finish. Is quite impressive, sir. For a non-caffeinated one, Squirt is also good. Oh yeah, yeah. Squirt's very good. It's just yeah. refreshing. Well. And sweet tea, which is not a soda. No. But I love no. sweet tea. I grew up drinking sweet tea like crazy. Really? Yeah. You know what? Hot tea, that's it. That's the only way I'm doing it. I can't do... 
like go to a restaurant and they're like oh we get an unsweet tea or a sweet tea or whatever like no can't do it huh not it I like a sweet tea no damn no well uh well yeah I think that's pretty cool got anything else coming up no I like I'm working on it's probably gonna be take me forever but I'm working on like a Weezer covers record right now like solo where I'm doing one song off of each Weezer record from uh, the first record up to Pacific Daydream. Oh, okay. So I, nice. I thought it would be funny. Yeah. And I like, I'm one of the people that th- thinks Weezer is like still kind of good. Okay. Like the, their latest records haven't been great, but every record has a couple songs where it's like, that song's great. Yeah. And so I'm kind of picking my favorite songs off of each record. So that'll probably take me like a year to finish. I've got three songs done so far. Right. <laughs> I check them out. <clears throat> cool, but that's it. Yeah. Right on. Well, dude, thanks for uh, letting me come over. Thanks for coming over. Yeah, man, this is cool. Um, well, I hope you get the rock room going again, man. I was a big fan, and uh, it's pretty cool. I think it will happen again. I just need, it just needed some months to like, chill out. Yeah. Like I've hit this phase lately where it's just like I didn't want to think about anything music. Like I kind of got oh yeah burnt. Yeah, it it kind of coincided with getting my new job, and it's just like oh this is a lot. Yeah, but probably once the winter hits, because I'm enjoying like sitting out on the porch. Yeah, and like walking around and being in warm weather. Yeah, once the winter hits and I have to be inside all the time, it's like you might as well do yeah. something, right? Yeah. I don't know. Well, thanks, Mike. Appreciate it, buddy. Thank you, man. 